Whether you've caught an odd whiff during a meeting, forgotten to brush your teeth before dashing out the door, or stopped to run an errand after hitting the gym, we all know what it feels like to be self-conscious of our odor. But humans smell! Each and every one of us comes with our own unique set of smells, scents, and, let's be real, stank. Odor can attract, bond, or even prevent any regrettable dalliances with distant relatives. So why are we so fearful about being deemed smelly? In this episode, we dig into the science behind body odor, what it does for our species, and how our natural musks went from being a part of everyday life to something that can earn you a visit from HR. All to get to the bottom of the rude question we've all asked before, do I stink? That's what you're in for today on Impolite Society. You're listening to Impolite Society with Laura and Rachel. Now it's the drums. And you know what that means, guys. You're listening to Impolite Society. The podcast that tackles the rude topics you cannot discuss in a crowded elevator with your boss's boss's boss. I am Laura. And I'm Rachel. And together we make up this fiery podcasting duo that you've grown to know and love and hate. And I yep. I just threw that in. I was going to say and like slightly resent a little bit. <laughs> just like I hate how captivated I am every time I listen. <laughs> And actually, speaking of elevators and things that you cannot discuss in the elevator with your boss's 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 boss, you know what sucks about elevators? Anything come to mind? Oh, everything about them. When they're crowded, <laughs> when they're slow, when you're stuck in them with somebody one-on-one and you feel like you have to talk to them. Yeah. And another thing you can add to that list is smelly. I have definitely been in an elevator before with somebody, you know, just got done with their cigarette break and they oh, get on the elevator. Yes. Yeah, and it just permeates the whole place. It's really being so close to other people in a closed space. It's just not a good look for human beings as a whole. No, definitely. Behavior-wise or olfactory-wise. Yes. Whether it's bad breath, a fart, that cigarette break somebody just had, elevators are like the home of those bad olfactory vibes. And the specific nostril assailer and taboo that we're talking about today is body odor. And you know it when you smell it. It is so distinctive. It's so pungent. It's so ripe. Dare I say, tangy. Yeah, definitely a tang to it. And I liken it to some sort of bean smell. My husband, he gets the chili five-way from Steak and Shake. <laughs> and every time it's in the car, I'm like, ah, it's the B.O. beans. That's what I call them. Yeah. It's like beans that have been left in the rain for a week. And then somebody put them in the, under the warmer. And then they put it on spaghetti. And then your husband eats it. B.O. beans. And it's just rotten do you have a body odor problem rachel to me i don't i will say i don't think i smell i've been told i don't smell you don't seem like the type to smell uh yeah i don't think i have a smell but i definitely am afraid of being smelly all the time back when my personality was the office hot girl (laughs) i was like 
super active and would always like bike to work and run to work. And then my, our work didn't have any locker room gym situation. So I would just walk around the rest of the day after literally running six miles to my office. I would just kind of splash some water in my pits and then walk <laughs> around the whole day like nothing happened. And yeah, those days I was a little nervous. <laughs> I also do not have a BO problem. I have the opposite problem. You smell too good? No, I do not sweat. Because people who have oh, like, I sweat a lot. sweaty bodies, they're like, oh, that's so great. No, it's not great. It's actually really bad for you because you need that to cool down. To regulate your body temperature. Exactly. Yes. I get overheated really, really easily. I get red in the face super, super fast. I get overexhausted. Oh, that must be embarrassing. But... On the flip side, have you ever been in that awkward situation where you had to tell someone you stink or you experienced someone stinky and tried to figure out a way to tell them that they stunk? There was a guy, and I did theater back in the day, and he literally had an alliterative name that he was known as because of the um, the smells. Stinky Steve. I mean, that's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of other ones. Body odor, Brendan. Olfactory offense, Oliver. There you go. That was it. That's I came off the top of my head because that was what we called him. So Ollie was real stanky. And we were doing dancing and moving around, but this was had a 24-7. It didn't matter what part of the day. And it just whenever he walked by, you could tell people were noticing. And I don't think anybody told him, at least not while I knew him. That's rough because it's really hard to tell people that they stink, especially people that you're not really close to. My experience, I had office mates one time. That every time I went to the bathroom, I would smell this stink. But it wasn't a shit smell. It was a body odor smell. No. And they... Where from? Yeah, exactly. They were very large women. And so every time they would go to the bathroom, they'd take down their pants and that smell would permeate. It's not like a vagina smell. It's oh, a BO okay. smell. It's like from folds. And for a long time, I didn't know what it was. And every time I go to the bathroom, I smell it. I'm like, is this me? You know, I'm like, <laughs> like trying to figure out what's going on here. But no, after a while, I realized it was them. And I got oh, a little sad for them. And they weren't even in the room at the time? No. It would hang out. Oh. Yeah, it was bad. I would get annoyed by it sometimes. And then I think to myself, I should tell somebody about this. And then I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking, Laura? You're not going to tell anybody. <laughs> like, what, what is going to come of that? What are you going to say? I can smell their fat folds in the bathroom. You think that's going to go <laughs> exactly. over well? That's not going to get you a visit by HR? <laughs> exactly. And, but those were bad days when I was feeling really, really crotchety. You know, I wasn't close enough with any of them to tell them that. And so you just endure that's when you start bringing baby powder as the secret Santa gift. <laughs> yeah, because there's not really a nice way to tell people that they stink. There's that nice way that you can offer a piece of gum for bad breath. You're like, oh, I'm going to have some myself. Do you want some? That's the generally nice way of trying to hint to people that they have bad breath. It's not like you can offer someone deodorant without getting offended. Like if you're in that elevator and you just whip out a stick of degree and put your pits up and start rubbing it. Like, <laughs> hey, you want to hit? Yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm so rude. I should offer you some too. 
<laughs> Which, you know what that's funny is that I could have taken a second to do that one time because um, the guy that my theater days once was like making fun of me in front of people because I had deodorant marks on my shirt. <laughs> oh, that's fair game. I should have been like, yeah, it's obvious you don't know what this is. Yeah, that's fair game. Oh, theater, what a time to be alive. This is such a great taboo body odor because we are really going to save your browser history hit, okay? Because if you think that you can Google a ton of questions about body odor and not get a bunch of weird Instagram ads about natural deodorant or armpit crystals... <laughs> You would be wrong. And I know because I did it. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Well, and you also don't want to be maybe pulling up your internet browser while you're screen sharing at work. Click into Google and Google's like, did you mean to Google how do I know if I stink or (laughs) is that my butt I smell (laughs) in front of all your colleagues? Because somehow it knows. Somehow it knows even if it's a different computer, my old, I've been trying to Google stuff in front of people and impolite society stuff comes up and I'm like, get, get, I'm get, there get. real fast. <laughs> so this is a great episode to let us save you, dear listener. Let us tell you this tale about BO, where it comes from, why we have it, the history of the first BO targeted Facebook ads, and most importantly, how to tell if you stink. To get into the science of body odor, we have to talk about its main ingredients, which are sweat and bacteria. Coincidentally, sweat and bacteria are also the two major ingredients that make up the little monsters that inhabit the Donald Trump suit. First up is sweat. And all human sweat. And like we said, it's good that we do, unlike me, because thermal regulation, it's really important to living on planet Earth. We have a lot of variable climates. We move a lot. When our temperatures go too high, we cannot function. Your brain short circuits and you will die. And humans, they don't pant like a dog to cool yourself down, roll around in the mud like pigs. And we also don't shit all over ourselves to bring our internal temperatures down like birds. I mean, we could, but it's going to impact our social standing, I think, more than some stinky pits. But you know, it's a valid life choice, birds. Well, if you're taking shit and rubbing it in your armpits, you're definitely not smelling your BO. And we've got two types of sweat glands in our body. We've got eccrine glands, and these are pretty benign ones. They are all over your body. We all have these from birth, and these eccrine sweat glands spit out a really plain, boring mixture of water and salt. This is why babies don't smell, because they have this all over their body. So they're just smell like wonderful and beautiful. And this is also what I call the tasty sweat. Yeah, she's making a face right now. Have you ever like, you know, been in an intimate situation and then you lick someone's neck and it's sweaty, but it's just like salty and yummy? I've definitely licked another human in my life. Um, (laughs) I will say that the salt was not a pleasant taste. Ah, See, I disagree. I'm not a salt fan. Like I don't I'm white. I don't season my food. So I just, it's too much. It was too much flavor. Sometimes my husband comes in from like, no. Yes, I'm serious. Stop. From, yes. From Are you salt deficient? Like, what is that to say? Like, I'll just kiss him and I'll taste the sweat on his lips and then I'll lick his neck just because I like it. I don't know. And now I'm envisioning Laura lifting the fat folds of her coworkers <laughs> and just, oh, no, no. <laughs> to get that mental image out of your head. 
It's my husband. It's his wonderful uh, sternocleidomastoid muscle, which is the sexiest muscle in the human body, that neck muscle. And I will just look it up. That's not any better. So our eccrine glands, those are the goodies. And there's always a baddie to that goodie. And those are the apocrine sweat glands. These are the stinkers, the ones that hang out in your armpits and your groin. Anywhere that you develop thick, bushy hair as you come into puberty. And these bad boys, they don't just produce that yummy water and sweat. They produce something thicker, something juicier, something tastier, not to Lara, but to somebody else. And that is protein and fats that come out of these glands. And all by their lonesome, these secretions, they do not stink at all. They are odorless. But protein and fats... Sounds like a pretty good meal to me. The second ingredient to this soup du jour of body odor is bacteria. Bacteria and other microorganisms, they live all over our bodies. And inside of them, they're on your skin, your mouth, your gut, your vagina, absolutely everywhere. We are, each and every one of us, a zoo on legs. And these bacteria, they're usually doing good things for us. They're helping us digest the things that we eat. They're helping us keep the right pH balance where the sun don't shine. But occasionally, we do good things for them, like provide that yummy, yummy meal. And what exactly stinks? Is it the farts that they make after they've eaten it? You've got it. Oh, my gosh. Give me my degree. (laughs) Women in STEM. Your your bacteria fart degree. You have been blessed with it. So each kind of bacteria on your skin, like staphylococci, corny bacteria, lactobacilli, each one of these bacteria, they are a beautiful and unique flower. They are all different, have different climates that they prefer. And some of these bacteria are of the snowbird variety. They like it where it's hot and wet. They like to go south to Florida, which is the groin and the armpits, all swampy and nasty. Do any of these bacteria like to inhabit cold, barren, desolate lands? Because then my heart would be the prime location. <laughs> I got some real estate there. I don't think they like it cold, but there are a few that like it a little bit more uh, temperate. But most of bacteria like this climate. This is where they flourish. This is why when you do like a culture, you put them in a hot, wet environment, they really flourish. So there's actually more of them in pits and groin per square centimeter than other drier areas of the body. They really like to hang out in these areas. And when you get these two together, the Florida snowbird bacteria and sweat full of those nummy, nummy treats, it's a party. It's a Super Bowl party. You got your seven layer dip and everyone's just going to town. That mm-hmm. odorless sweat gets eaten by the bacteria and they, like you said, Rachel, they ferment those compounds. It's like yeasted bread and and how it rises. The bacteria eats it, then they kind of fart out the gases. Only it doesn't come out smelling like fresh baked bread. Yeah, it smells like Florida. I mean, <laughs> Actually, these gases, they come out in all kinds of different flavors, like sour cream and onion and nacho cheese. What? Is that a smell that comes off a person? It is. Kidding, not kidding, because different bacteria produce different smells, which are different flavors. So sulfur compounds smell like onions. 
and carbolic acid gives it a cheesy aroma. And heredity can determine what kind of flavor you put out the most and how much of it. Some people naturally sweat more than others because their parents and their parents' parents and their parents' parents' parents were big sweaty beasts. So just hereditarily, more sweat is part of your genes. And that means more food for the bacteria on your skin, which means more stank. And sex also plays a factor. Men tend to have more corny bacteria in their pits. And no, that's not uh, just corny. It's cornet. Whatever. I'm not a scientist. Corinae. Corinae. There you go. Corinae. And they have more of this in their pits. That bacteria gives off more of that cheese smell, that more harvest cheddar kind of feel, mm. where women are more likely to have staphylococcus or a certain variety of staph, which kicks out more of that sweet Hawaiian onion smell, which is fine by me because that's one of my favorite potato chips. Cruncher, sweet onion. Oh, God, it's so good. Well, okay, so... Jury's back in, ruling's out. I'm straight. It was a surprise. I mean, TikTok had me questioning my whole Wait, life. Wait, you don't like sweet Hawaiian onion? I like most chips. I'll just put that out there. I, I'm a pan <laughs> chipule. But I do like my husband's smell. And it is that cheese. It, when you said cheesy, I was like, yeah, that's kind of what he smells like. And <laughs> there it's you like, go. I like that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I should go take a shower. And I'm like, no, I kind of like it. See, you you thought I was so weird for licking my husband, but that's the same kind of feel. Just well, yeah, I like that my husband smells like him. I don't like to to lick his armpits. I don't lick his armpits. I lick his neck or shoulders. But when humans are stressed, this kicks up production of sweat in your apocrine sweat, so that groin and armpit that I stinky believe it. sweat. And anybody who's done a presentation at work, been in a car accident, had a really emotional situation, feels like that womp. And you can start to feel it underneath the pits. And so you're kicking out more of that in those areas, which provides more food for those bacteria and hence more stink. It's kind of a lose-lose situation. You're sweatier, you're wetter, and you're smellier. So is that, is stress the only thing that can affect how much of the smell or how much of this this kind of sweat you're kicking out? No, it is also dependent on, like you said, puberty and uh, hereditary, but also what you eat can affect this. Sulfuric foods like eggs and broccoli, throw back to our farts episode. They may be good for your body, but they are bad for your social life. It's going to come out. It's going to come out of your ass. It's going to come out in your sweat. What about and garlic? Yes, that is absolutely something that'll happen as well. Because I eat a lot of garlic. I love garlic. And I love then I swear it. I'm like oozing it the next day. And booze too. That is another thing. It comes out of your pores. And I was interested in this. Where does sweat actually come from? So I was doing all this research. But I'm like, what is sweat? And what it is, is the liquid parts of blood. And that's minus all your red blood cells, your white blood cells, platelets, all that kind of stuff. So it's interstitial fluid that's keeping uh, all of your components of blood suspended. It's keeping all your organs damp and moist inside your wet, sticky body. And so that's what happens when you sweat. Your body needs to put liquid on your skin to cool you off, and it's pulling it from those. So whatever is in your blood, your 
BO or your sweat can percolate that around a room, whether it's garlic, alcohol, anything that's stinky in your body can come out through your pores. Well, and if it can come out your pores through your blood, then can it also, that's also what we talk about where if you don't fart, it'll come out your lungs, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. It's going to come out one it's way It's going to go somewhere. <laughs> so better out than in, get it out. And so that's sweat. That's what it is, where it comes from, and how we all stink. But it leads to the natural question, why do we do this? Why does this body odor occur? Does it actually serve a purpose aside from you're just kicking out more food for the bacteria? Really comes down to... What is the evolutionary purpose that humans who put out this tasty snack for the bacteria, what about that made them more inclined to survive than their cousins who didn't? That is a great question that we are going to answer right after this quick break. Hi, I'm Celeste. Hi, I'm Richard. Hey, I'm Christy. And I'm Tally. We're the hosts of Unethical Podcast. Every episode, we take a humorous dive into a case study that poses an ethical question, like, should mentally ill murderers ever be released? No. We discuss what the outcomes of these cases are and what they should be with a unique guest host every episode. Richard needs some more testosterone around here. Nah, I think it's mostly coming from Celeste. Girls are mean. Our podcast is no holds barred, true crime, comedy, adult content, and definitely not for everybody. But like most people can handle swear words and stuff, right? Am I right about that? No. No. You can subscribe wherever you eat your podcasts to listen. Follow us on Instagram where we post our teasers to guess what's coming next. And join us on Facebook to get involved in the conversation. Okay, I'm dying to know, does it serve a purpose? Yes, absolutely. And if you go to the zoo, you know that all animals stink. You go through the reptile house, you go through the ape house, animals stink. And if everyone's doing it, you know there's got to be a reason for it. Or if you come to my house, you can you know that animals have an odor. <laughs> And they have a ton of uses for it. It's to signal mating, to scare away predators like skunks and possums, or to signal danger to their pack. That's what you were asking about how this stress-induced sweat, the bacteria makes you stink. What purpose does that serve? It's not just to feed the bacteria. That stink also lets the people or the other animals around you know something is is up. It kind of puts them on alert. Mm, is that why stinky people are off-putting? Because all of a sudden we're unsettled. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think that's a bad theory. We're like, danger's around here somewhere. <laughs> Danger of not showering. <laughs> and all animals experience this increase in BO when they're under stress. And researchers have a couple of theories about why this might have been, about why it was evolutionarily advantageous to have BO. First of which, was mating. We knew that was going to come in there somewhere. I mean, speaking as I just talked about how I like to lick the sweat off my husband's neck, you know that that was a thing. And there's a theory out there that women are actually more sensitive to smells during ovulation. 
And this is a little bit split. I read a couple of studies that said, yes, this is absolutely true. Others that disproved it. So who knows? But the theory goes that this greater sense of smell helped women in selecting a mate during ovulation, that they're more sensitive to those smells which increase mating. And I'll get to why that's important in a second. And there's also theories that this is why women experience morning sickness during pregnancy. People don't really know why this is. It's a great mystery. I remember looking this up when I was pregnant and I was like, what is the benefit to this? And the theory is that there isn't a benefit. It's a byproduct of ovulation smell sensitivity. So ovulation is tied to hormones. Hormones, of course, are also tied to pregnancy. Hormones go kind of haywire in pregnancy. So that morning sickness that pregnant women feel in their first trimester is kicking in a ton of olfactory receptors, making you way more sensitive, thus making you sick. So it's not an evolutionary benefit for morning sickness. It's a byproduct of the evolutionary benefit of having a heightened sense of smell during heightened hormone times. Isn't birth control just tricking your body into thinking you're pregnant? Yes. So then how come it doesn't happen then? Because it's not tricking your body into thinking you're ovulating. It's kind of a different set. There's like a complicated thing about testosterone and progesterone, which I don't 100% understand. I can't speak to this 100% because I'm not a scientist. It's like anything. We talked about it in previous episodes. The women's body, it's a mystery. Nobody knows what's going on in it because nobody fucking cares. (laughs) Well, and that's my question because I noticed that this theory and and maybe some of the other theories we're going to talk about they're all relating to sex. And I was like, I'm going to suspect that maybe some of the researchers behind these, if not all of them, are men. <laughs> and so maybe it's that kind of male perspective that all roads lead back to uh, to getting down and dirty, where our, it has to be potentially related to more things, like you said, signaling danger or recognizing family and first foe and, I don't know, marking territory. Why does it always have to come back to boning? Because everyone likes to bone and it's what propagates a species, which then leads to survival. But men also can subconsciously smell when a woman is ovulating, again, according to several studies. Some say that they can, some say that they can't. When What are they smelling? Her sweat? It's They're actually really interesting. Yeah, these studies, they make women wear the t-shirts, or the men, in other cases, that they've done this on the opposite. The, the person whose sweat is being tested, they'll wear their t-shirt for like three days. No deodorant, no perfumes, no nothing. And then they take it, they put it in a box, and testers smell it. That sounds a lot like some get-rich-quick schemes I've seen on TikTok about (laughs) selling things that you wear. I'll sell my socks in a second, man. I hear that that's out there. Or my undies. I don't care. Take them. If anybody's got 50 bucks, you will have a used holy pair of underwear with period stains with your name on it. I think that that's actually what they like. So, you know, I would. Oh, I got a drawer full for you, baby. Place place your order at rude at impolitesocietypodcast.com. You Venmo me $50, you be getting a pair of panties so fast. I'm not a Welsher. You send that to me, I will send you those panties right back. Yeah, Laura's really good at putting things in the mail and addressing them and sending them. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Well, I mean, you did. You did. You sent out our merch, the, the merch that was claimed. And that would have been something I put off and off and off and off and off and off and off. <laughs> but so, okay, back to the science, the, the studies. So studies have shown that men prefer 
preferred the smell of an ovulating woman versus non-ovulating women. And they experienced an increase in testosterone after (laughs) getting a whiff of it. Yeah. And you know what? I believe that because I believe 80% of what men feel, mm, 89% of what men feel is subconscious. They have no fucking clue what's happening. (laughs) They're just like, I'm driven by my nose and my dick. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, that sounds great. I don't know. (laughs) Why did I get to here? How did I end up here? Where am I from? What's my name? They just are. And another possible reason for our BO is bonding. So babies have been tested and they prefer this. That sounded weird. Babies have tested. (laughs) They've been tested. They're babies. Check, baby. (laughs) They had a quiz. They had their like little calculator and they had their lunch. They had to bring in their snacks. Check, baby. Spoiler alert, they failed. (laughs) (laughs) Babies prefer the smell of their own mothers over others. And mothers can also ID their own babies by smell. So there's something going on there with a bonding and that kind of experience that they're going through. And the last theory was about incest avoidance. Studies have found that siblings of many species can ID each other by scent, and they don't like it. This goes back to that blind study. So they put all these T-shirts in a box, tell you to smell it. Which of these do you prefer? They almost always said the one that was most related to them, they don't prefer it. That's not to say that they won't go to pound town on a family member. They will if they... Wait, the animals or the people? <laughs> yeah, that was what I was going to I'm clarify. so confused. <laughs> the, Are you... the animals. Animals, they will have sex with siblings. But if they're presented with other options, they're going to go with those first. Novelty seeking. <laughs> exactly. They just want the strange, strange. When they're given that blind smell test of e de gym bag, they've got a strong distaste for their siblings. They will prefer the other. This is helpful for species because the more genetic diversity that you can get, the more hardy your clan is going to be. That's strange. It really pumps up the gene pool. You don't want to go with what you're familiar with. It's what's more different than what you're used to. So we're really program for that star-crossed lover situation because we're always going to be attracted to the people who are outside of our circle. Yeah. If you're a Capulet and they're trying to get you to marry your second cousin, <laughs> you're like, like, of course uh... that, that little sweet Montague is going to come in with his cheesy stank <laughs> and you're going to be like, give me a slice of that provolone, that mozzarella. Question for you. We know that animals stink way more than we do. We know this. We've been to the zoo. Why do you think it bothers humans and not our animal cousins? Because when an ape gets in an elevator, he's all sticking his nose right up in their business, where humans are like, ooh, this is gross. Well, because we're civilized, of course. We spend so much time and effort trying to fight our animal instincts and our animal urges. We live in a very sterile and clean world, and I'm going to guess that we didn't bother us (laughs) up until more recently. And I think that our good friend capitalism might have something to do with why we're so adverse to human odors. I think that's a really good point. And we are going to dig more into this about why humans care about these smells when apes are all getting down in it after this quick break. (laughs) 
So I'm going to guess that humans have smelled since the beginning of time. Oh, my God. You're so smart, Rachel. <laughs> oh, my God. Give me an A+. plus. That's why I love podcast ratings so much because it's the closest thing I get to a grade for this. So please go out and give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Yes, absolutely. Humans have been stinking since we first stood upright. And I think we've been trying to cover it up almost just as long. My personal theory... Hunter-gatherers, they didn't even crap about their stank. They're just trying to get through their life, get through their day, trying to get their meal of acorns and tubers or whatever they dug out of the ground. And this only became something to address once humans started living in these more organized and complicated societies. And as you live closer, being more crushed up against that stranger in the metro link that stinks like a wildebeest, it is not fun. So as we get packed into these tighter communities it starts to become something to address. Because back in the day when we're living in these small family groups, we're already desensitized to our own smell and our own family smell is like not for us. We probably don't notice it as much. And you're after other people. So when you do smell them, it's a sign of like, hey, I want to be alert. I want to be aware of them. I'm programmed to pick it up. Something new. It's either a mate or it's something dangerous. Something's happening because they're kicking out that apocrine sweat that's stanky. Exactly. And so then when you're used to miles and miles and lots of roaming, you know, that's fine to have the smell. But all of a sudden when you're jam-packed on top of each other of all different families, all different smells and genes and it's a lot. It's a little overwhelming to the olfactory. And ancient people, they didn't have a great way to deal with it, but they did know how to mask it. And perfumes are one of the earliest inventions that we have when it comes to ancient societies. And they are thought to be first used by ancient Egyptians, Mesopotamians, and ancient China. So some of the earliest records of like how to create things chemistry is actually related to perfumes egyptians used to wear those wax cones in their hair and it would melt throughout the day that's what that was for yeah oh i just thought it was cool little hats no it was to make them not stink do you think that you know as much as our smell is a pre-human way of communicating with each other that maybe that covering up that smell was almost a protective me mechanism, right? A way of kind of concealing your inner thoughts, your inner feelings that other people could pick up on by like if you're nervous or if you're different as opposed to when you could control it. Because I just think of like my dogs like to roll in stanky stuff to cover up their smells. I think it had more, especially in these ancient societies, these were more complicated hierarchical societies the Egyptians, ancient China. So they definitely had a class strata. So I think it has something to do more with the clothing dilemma. By not stinking, by smelling like something else, they're elevating themselves as something beyond the common folk who have to work and toil and sweat and stink like a can of B.O. beans. I'm something special. I am going to get this perfume to smell like something different. Because I'm God among men. And if like God was here, he wouldn't be smelling like you filthy people. So perfumes date back to pre-written language, but the first deodorants didn't actually come out until 1880. 88, which I was surprised. I thought it would have been later. I know this is kind of around turn of the century industrial revolution times, but still, I was like, oh, this is surprising to me. The first year, it was called mum. 
which I actually think is pretty clever. So good on whoever invented it. Like because like the mom's word. the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was really cute. <laughs> this was the first commercially available deodorant, and it was actually a paste that you spread under your arms with your fingers, which is kind of nasty. Okay, so what is the difference between the perfumes of yesteryear in a deodorant? So perfumes, they just mask what's going on. You still smell like a Sasquatch, but it's kind of creating a protective layer of good smelling things around your nasty smelling parts. Where deodorant don't make you sweat less, but they actually kill or kind of migrate the bacteria in those areas. Deodorants are alcohol-based and they make your skin acidic, which this bacteria doesn't like. So they either die or they skedaddle to different types of climate in your body. So you're still kicking out that sweat, but there isn't the bacteria around to eat it and make that stink. So you're literally just killing the bacteria so they don't fart. Exactly. So we figured out how to get rid of bacteria on the outside of our bodies before we figured out how to get rid of the bacteria inside of our bodies. Yeah. By a few decades. Well, (laughs) we out, which is a whole fascinating thing about germ theory, about the evolution of surgical techniques, which is really amazing. If anybody has some spare time and they want to check out a really interesting book, I recommend The Butchering Art, which is all about Joseph Lister and how he revolutionized surgical techniques. Anyway, that's just a little aside. It's a little, it's a golden nugget. That's why you listen to this show. You like to get these little golden nuggies. That leads you down another trail of the rabbit hole. But the natural uh, next step to destankifying ourselves, we got perfumes, which masked it. We've got deodorants that keep the bacteria from eating it, but we're still wet. And it's not the good kind of wet that we like here on Impolite Society. Yeah, the kind that comes from my mouth when I think about Papa John's pizzas. (laughs) But the first antiperspirant known as Everdry, which is a less clever name than mum, that came into the market in 1903. And antiperspirants work differently. They include aluminum that blocks your pores from secreting that nasty eccrine sweat, the ones that bacteria find to be so absolutely delicious and then fart out stinky yuckies. A lot of deodorants today have antiperspirants and deodorants, so it kind of does double duty. So this is why I think that I don't have as much of a sweat problem today was back in middle school when these hormones, they were kicking in and they were doing their thing. So I had a few mm-hmm. days where I had like little sweat stains under my armpits and I thought, that can't be, that's not good. We got to nip that in the bud. We can't be human. Human is bad. It's not sexy. It's not cute. No, I wanted to be, I was concerned my office hot girl vibe. So I needed to not be sweaty or human in any way or eat lunch for the next four oh. years. I bought this thing and it was called Certain Dry which was one of the prescription-grade, over-the-counter antiperspirants. And I put that shit on every chance I got for a couple weeks on end, and I think I just killed the <laughs> sweat glands in my armpit because I've never had a problem with sweat since. You got it early and you nipped it in the bud. <laughs> I just literally fried my sweat glands. Just, just fried them off, seared them. Well, there's actually a lot of controversy about this, which is why you'll see those Instagram ads for 
pit crystals and all kinds of stuff because people say that it's unhealthy. There was a cancer kind of theory or rumor going around for a while that said this aluminum and antiperspirants causes breast cancer. Sounds like a free boob job. <laughs> Let me put those on. You get that preemptive, like, I'm avoiding cancer and also getting a breast lift. Angelina Jolie, she's so brave. She cut off her tits when she was 40 and got new ones. She's so brave. That's how I'm going to do. I'm gonna, I got to start establishing a series of back pains um, <laughs> so that I can get a reduction as I get older. So let this, the record show, my future insurance carrier, coverer, my back hurts because my boobs are too big and I need a reduction surgery. That's also like a little lift. You're so brave, Rachel. <laughs> it's it's I, brave. Let's just say, just call it what it is. It's brave. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'll take. Uh, you can you can um, support my bravery at GoFundMe.com. <laughs> backslash Rachel Small Boobs. Dot com. One seven six five seven. Three, two. Apparently, there's a lot of other Rachels who want smaller boobs. <laughs> or people who want to see pictures of Rachel's small boobs. <laughs> but so there was this cancer theory that was going around. The American Cancer Society says, no, that's not true. Aluminum in antiperspirants do not cause cancer. But they will say that people with poor kidney function, they should maybe consult a doctor before they use antiperspirants. Because this aluminum, it gets absorbed through your skin. Bad kidneys, they can't filter out that aluminum. So who knows? Jury's out on if it's bad for you. Big deodorant maybe is uh, bringing down the science. Squashing it, kind of like tobacco. Yeah, I say that in jest, big deodorant. But I mean, Procter & Gamble is a giant fucking company. You know, they make billions of dollars a year. You know they have lobbyists. You know they have their fingers in these things. So I think us ladies, if the men can say that eating out can cause throat cancer and avoid it, then I think us ladies, we can say the aluminum causes breast cancer. I'm just going to smell how I smell. Yeah, I'm just going to put out that sweet, sweet Hawaiian onion smell. And whoever wants to come to the table, well, you're welcome to it, buddy. And if you think a girl at the bar smells really good, it's probably because she's ovulating. So, like, just be extra careful that night. <laughs> yeah, wrap it, gentlemen. <laughs> but the story of how deodorants and antiperspirants became mainstream is really, really interesting because it is the flippity flop of how shaving became mainstream for women. So, if you haven't listened to our episode on shaving about why Bush is banned, you should check it out. But the Cliff Notes version here, is that King Camp Gillette, yes, that Gillette. Our buddy. He realized that half the population, women, weren't using his razors, and he did not care for that. So he went on the warpath. He made a marketing campaign in women's magazines that made women feel gross and unattractive if they didn't shave their pits. And voila, 100 years later, we are still hacking away at our armpits and our downstairs. The story of how deodorant evolved is interesting because it is like the whole story in reverse. We were putting hair back into our armpits. Almost. So instead of an old, rich, white dude, we had a young, rich, still white woman. Her father made the first antiperspirant paste. He made it to keep his hands from sweating during surgery. And she thought, I can sell this shit. And that is exactly what she did. She tried to sell it in a lot of different places. 
you know, it kind of went hither bither. Maybe it was good sometimes, maybe not. She partners with the copywriter, and they went on the warpath the same way that King Camp Gillette did, convincing women they weren't popular because they stink. They presented sweat as a problem that no one would tell you about. They would just talk about it behind your back. It was the reason why you're sitting alone on a Saturday night. It was the reason why you weren't invited to that latest swing dance. And since we all know a woman's greatest fear is to not be liked by men, this product started flying off the shelf. And so it doesn't surprise me that it that starts with the women, right? Because we're already so used to having so much marketed to us about what we need to change about our bodies, our appearance, our looks, that that's really your target demographic because women probably stank less than men, I'd assume. Absolutely. We know that from the research that we were actually not who should have been the target market, but we were the target market because we're easy, Mark. Yep, because that's easy. Let's invent something. Let's get rich. We never want to work again. We just want to make a podcast 24-7. What natural part of a woman's body are you going to convince us that is wrong so you can make a fortune? Go. I already know because I just saw a comment on our TikTok that somebody said that the texture of the vulva put them off. So I'm going to create a product that makes your vulva softer and more like the actual skin on your arms as opposed to like more of a mucous membrane because some men don't like that. They're not going to tell you about it, but they don't like the feel of your vulva. So we're just going to turn it into a perfect hole surrounded by skin, just like some of our previous articles have shown. Oh, gosh, that's that's actually just horrifying. I know, but you know, I think I could make this work. I think that you could probably do that with the antiperspirant, right? Just dry it out. This guy just wants to lick a very dry vagina. What What would I do? What would I do? It would have to be something that's completely innocent that our, everybody's body does naturally, and it's really hard because everything I'm thinking of is already a thing. Okay, here it is. Toe straighteners. So my pinky toe on my feet curls under, and I just want to, like, convince somebody that that's not a cute look. And so you need to have something like a brace that straightens out your pinky toe. A toe brace. Yeah. How about that? I think I mean, that doesn't exist yeah, yet. mine kind of curls under. Yeah, too. that's ugly. Yeah, that's I've, I've never seen that advertised on Instagram. You're disgusting. Yeah. Straighten out Let's that. Let's get our newest... Instagram ads out and it's going to be a toe straight. Well, I think that might actually work, but because everybody just wants to look at pictures of feet. <laughs> a whole different If you're interested in purchasing feet pictures, please email us at rude at impolitesocietypodcast.com. <laughs> or if you want Laura's nasty used panties, email us at rude at impolites. We can't make our fucking toe braces take off, so we have to resort <laughs> to selling Laura's unmentionables as well as pictures of feet that we have not Googled and then copied and pasted into an email <laughs> and sent to you. So back to how it went from women who probably didn't even need this product to men who probably did need this product. This company that started this whole revolution, they launched their first men's deodorant in 1935. And for those keeping track, that's 50 years later than the first one that was directed towards women. And no one was biting. This was seen as a woman's product. It has been advertised in women's magazines for 50 years. Mm -hmm. And 
no matter how many black bottles they put it in, how many whiskey bottle looking things they put it in, people weren't interested. But then an opportunity came to prey on men's insecurities, which was job loss, being the family provider. The Great Depression hit and it hit hard. People losing their jobs left and right or afraid that they were going to lose their jobs and advertisements. They reamed home that the smelly guy never gets the job. The smelly guy, he gets laid off. And a hundred years later, we are still plugging all of our pits with aluminum. Full circle, here we are. Yeah, just the preying on that fear of rejection and just making it have meaning to whatever demographic you're trying to sell to, whether that's not getting a uh, husband, which back then was economic failure, you uh, or actually putting it towards the comfort and security in life and being able to take care of your family. So they were just really like, who would have thought our body odor could make or break our lives? And so we've looked at all this. We've looked at how we smell. We've looked at why we smell. We've looked at the trajectory of deodorant. So let's get back to this rude question. Do I stink? Do I? Tell me. Do, can you smell something through the Zoom call? I can't. But in my expert opinion, do you stink? Yes. After I looking at all this it. research, I think that we all stink. Yeah. I mean, I know I smell depending on the situation, right? It's situational yeah. based, what I ate based. I mean, odors are arising. I think that that is completely natural. It's part of it. It doesn't mean that you're a gross, disgusting human. Sometimes. We all stink. We all kick this stuff out. And I mean, there's a whole nother conversation about like how much we bathe. And again, I'm sure there's going to be a very similar story to King Cant Gillette and the deodorant story about soap and bathing, about how Americans bathe too much. But humans stink. I think the problem is that people can't really smell themselves. And we kind of touched on this before. We get nose blind to our own smells, whether that's the smell of our house, our cats, uh, our cat litter boxes, guilty. It's just something that we're used to. So we can't smell it. So we can't objectively say if we smell or not. But the golden rule to any body odor, whether that's bad breath, your crotch smells, your pit smells, any of that. Your front fumes. If you can smell yourself at all, if you can get the casual whiff of like, oh, that's not so good. Other people, the people around you, they can smell it a lot more than you can because they are not nose blind to your stinks. No, really? Okay, yeah. So, like, what if I just my nose is closer? I mean, maybe I can smell my feet because my I'm closer to my feet than somebody else. Nope. That you are just used to it because I mean, think about it. You're what? You're five foot five, so you're at least four foot away from your feet at any given oh, time. Oh man! So I've definitely smelled in work situations I, before. Yeah. How do you smell I me? Mean, I have stinky feet. I I've never smelled you before. I guarantee you, Rachel. Okay, good. I've never smelled you before, but I also have stinky feet, and I know when I whiff it, I know that everyone else can smell it more, which is out. why. Which is why in my office, I have a can of Dr. Scholl's deodorizer. Oh. So here's the hot tip. You have to spot check your own smell because just from this like waftiness, you can't smell it. You've got to get your nose right up in it. So if you think your feet smell, take that shoe, get it right up in your nostrils. 
Go into the office bathroom, take off your shirt, bury your nose in the pits. If you can smell it, yeah, you're smelling it right now. I can smell it, but I don't think it's that bad. I'm also mine's not that bad I'm right also, now. You should see. Oh my god, listener, you should see it. Rachel and I right now are both putting our noses directly on our no, toes. Laura's putting her nose directly on her toes. I can't. I'm not flexible enough for it, honestly. <laughs> Do you see this? I, this is as close as I can get. That's as close as you can get. Yeah. If you can smell your feet. Everyone else can smell them. So you want to do that kind of spot check, bury your nose directly in it. This is the same way that I check my laundry. You know, after you've taken off a shirt and thrown it aside, you only wore it for a few hours. So you pick it up, you bury your nose in it, you sniff it, and you're like, does that smell? Is this still clean? That's how you tell. Or pro tip, you hand it off to your spouse and you're like, sniff this. Does this smell? Hand them the stinkiest part. The armpit, the crotch part, and be like, does this smell? And if they say no, then it's good to go. You don't have to wash it again. But I think the real message here is don't feel bad about it. We are animals and animals stink. If it is a hot day, you haven't showered this morning, you're predisposed to be a sweatier person than others, then yeah, you stink. And that's okay. What you need to do is be prepared. So you keep a spare shirt in your backpack. You rub some of that aluminum up in there and get breast cancer. And maybe you try again tomorrow. The thing is, don't be the serial offender. I think that anyone can forgive someone who stinks every blue moon, right? If you had somebody that was your friend, your general accomplice, and you smell them every once in a while, you'd be like, eh, whatever. Or that rando that you are sharing the elevator with on a, on a regular basis. If they stink every three months, you're not going to think, oh, this is a stinky person. You're thinking, they had a bad day. It's the person who always stinks that makes people at the elevator say, I'm going to take the next one. The goal is to not be that person. Don't be the serial stinker. That makes sense to me, right? Like you can always forgive that one off. So if I accidentally take a weird step, my foot comes out of my shoe and then it puffs air in and pushes the air out <laughs> and it gets into the stratosphere and everybody around me can smell my foot. That's fine. But like if I keep wearing shoes so long that they actually like reek, that's probably where it's that you got to draw the line. And so that's the thing. Just be prepared. Know that it is a hazard Take steps to prevent it and do the best that you can. I have a bigger philosophy on this whole idea of smells. We share everything in this world. We share the air that we breathe. And occasionally, there's going to be some stank in that air and people need to kind of get over it. And that's what I told myself when I was sitting in that stanky bathroom with those fat folds <laughs> smell. And I was like, you know what? Everyone's doing the best they can. I share the air with other humans. Sometimes that air stinks. And if you're a architect, put fans in circulation into the bathroom. The Oh, God, the office fans. Why don't they have the poo fan? We all need the poo fan in yeah, office Yeah, I mean, bathrooms. you got you to gotta air out your folds. You got to let it go. And and you also you do a women's bathroom especially everything under the sun happens in there. Everything that has an odor is happening in that oh. bathroom. Everything that doesn't have an odor, people are crying in the bathroom. That has an odor. It reeks of desperation. <laughs> so that's the moral of the story, everybody. Be 
conscientious of your stink, but also know that it's natural. It's normal to, you know, just deal with it. So that's it for today. That's Impolite Society. And if you want more Impolite Society, be sure to check us out on social media. You can find us on Facebook and join our exclusive Facebook group, The Impolite Society. And we finally decided what we're going to call our fans. The socialites. You are socialites. You are the creme de la creme of the Impolite Society. So socialites belong in the Impolite Society Facebook page. So join the group. Come hang out with us. You know, we were out there posting and sharing extra rude news and just, you know, talking about the show and that kind of stuff. So lots of memes, too, guys. That's one of my favorite Meme parts. city. Meme city. But you can also find us on TikTok where we're t- giving more facts about the topics we talk about as well as some behind-the-scenes looks at our production. <laughs> and then, of course, we are also on Instagram where we do more of the same. And then Twitter, which we're there if you look for us. And we will occasionally I tweet something. Exactly. But those are the main ones. Or, of course, email us your rude questions or your RFPs when it comes to underwear or feet photos. <laughs> and again, that email address is rude at impolite society podcast.com. We, we look forward to hearing from you. Oh, uh, yes, we do. I just made that up. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us this week. And we will be back at you in two weeks with an all new impolite question. And in the meantime, don't forget, stay rude, everyone, and never stop marching to the beat of your own drum. You stink. We stink. We all stink. 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 I forgot it. Okay, wait. (laughs) Question everything. No, that was my radio show.